Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 906. Yeah, I, I like to always tell people that you need to be creating something, whether it's you know, inspiration in other people, if you're creating a product, if you're creating, stirring passion in someone, or motivating other people to do better, you need to be creating something, add something into this world. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dylan Von Kleist. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Mark. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm absolutely ready. I'm ready to shine, buddy. All right. Dylan Von Kleist is the marketing manager at Rupees USA in Longmont, Colorado. He's been in the automotive detailing industry for over 19 years, holding positions including product development, operations, public relations, communications, and he owned his own successful detailing business as well. Rupees is an Italian company with a 65-year history of designing and producing the finest in innovative machine tools, and their reputation in the automotive surface care sector is world-renowned. Rupees just built and opened a facility in the United States there in Colorado, not too far from where Dylan is sitting right now, and as they continue to grow in the marketplace, you're going to see even more things happening in the United States here from Rupees. Dylan has put his mark on numerous businesses in the detailing industry over his career and truly enjoys elevating the industry as both a professional within its various organizations, as well as being a regular provider of commentary on the social ethical dilemmas facing the rapidly changing professional detailing landscape. And I'll let you listeners know, I had the distinct pleasure of talking and meeting with Dylan at the SEMA show a few weeks ago. It was so great to see you there. The Rupees display was absolutely fantastic. I love the marketing, the colors, the theme. Everything you guys are doing is so cool. I've used your machines. They are awesome. So Dylan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and a, a very obvious passion for keeping cars looking really nice? Yeah, and thanks for having me, Mark. I'm really honored. I told you when we met at SEMA for the first time, I'm uh, I'm a big fan. I've listened to your podcast, I think, from the very early days. Wow. So well, most of however many hundreds there are now. You're number, uh, let's see, you are number 906. So, yeah, there's a lot to listen to there. It's a lot of content. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and one other thing, too, you said uh, we, we're celebrating actually our 70th anniversary this year. So oh, you had wow. said uh, Rupus is 65. We're actually 70 oh. as of this year. Well, you guys so. look so young. <laughs> uh, boy, there are days I don't feel so young. Of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, as you said, I've, I've been uh, bumping around this industry since, um, well, it, it really started with me needing money to buy my first car and, uh, you know, automotive detailing was something that I'd kind of gotten into. And uh, it's been a passion of mine. It, it's led itself into being passionate about cars and uh it's created this incredible journey i've been on i've worked for a lot of interesting companies met a lot of interesting people been a lot of interesting places um all thanks to the fact that i can i can make a car shinier than the next guy which yeah. is uh i don't know it kind of a pinch me thing i, I regularly think about <laughs> how, how did this turn into what i'm doing but hey you know it's uh i am where i am and enjoying every minute of it oh absolutely and you and i share a little bit there i started a detailing business when i was 14 years old and I paid for all my surfing adventures growing up in Southern California, I paid for college, uh, took me into my first career, and 
Little did I know I'd end up back in the car care industry for so many years. But I think it's great because that kind of industry and that kind of job teaches a young person so much. I've always told people, man, get your kids into detailing. They can be their own boss at an early age, learn everything there is to do about business, communications, ethic, work style, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you were one of those fortunate guys to figure that out. But we're going to learn a lot more about what you're doing because you have done a lot of things, my friend. And as we continue <laughs> on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. That's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Dylan, take the wheel, or should I say grab the orbital? Grab the polisher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One that I've lived by, because I, I place such a high value on, on ethics and honesty and transparency and everything that I do and anyone that I work with, I, I live by saying that uh, if you don't live for something, you'll die for nothing. I really take that to heart. I, I believe that you have to have something at your core, something ethically that drives you, maybe even beyond what you're doing uh, in the business, something at home or something personal that needs to drive you um, and be your purpose, whether that be uh, family or religion or whatever it is, uh, I believe that you have to have something that you're living for. Well, and especially these days with social media, everything is very exposed. And you make one wrong turn and everybody looks at you in that one respect. You could have built up your reputation for decades and you could blow it with one move. So One bad sentence, right? <laughs> it's a great way to live your life for sure. And I could tell when I met you, you're definitely a guy that walks his talk. Well, let's go back in time first as we, we continue on this journey that's all about Dylan here. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars and taking care of vehicles. Is there a pivotal moment that you remember in your life that uh, you knew you were a car guy? Yeah, it's it's really weird how vivid it is. And I would have probably been in, uh, I would say, probably around late 80s, early 90s. I had an uncle who had a very successful construction company. And he had these huge flatbed trailers. And I remember one day he pulls up in front of my parents' house. And on the back of it, he had a brand new Pantera. Ooh. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's usually a trailer that would have been hauling a huge piece of equipment, but he had it strapped down and it was this beautiful red Di Tommaso Pantera. And that was, I think, kind of the moment I fell in love with cars because I remember him starting it up. I got to sit in it and it was unbelievable. He actually went on to buy two of them. He ended up owning a black and a red one at the exact same time. Wow. And it was always, uh, it was always fun to go over to his house and I would just drool over those things. And that was pretty much the spark that ignited, uh, my love for cars. It was, you know, Pantera is one of those cars that, you know, I think a lot of people appreciate. You, you may not always love them, but I fell in love with those cars immediately. And, uh, just the, the sound and the, the feel of sitting in it when it started. And it was just such a, uh, raw kind of brutal vehicle really kind of ignited that passion for me in anything automotive. Well, no doubt. And the Daytona Vantera and, of course, one of my favorites, Daytona Mangusta. Yeah. Both those cars, Italian bodies, uh, maybe a little rough in the, in the building, but we won't <laughs> go there. But they had that American muscle that made those sounds, the big V8s and the power. And I know one of my longtime sponsors and supporters here and good friend Chris Kimball, Financial Services, he's smiling right now. He listens to every show. He's got a Pantera. It's in a state of restoration right now. Maybe I shouldn't have brought that up, Chris, because you're probably cringing. He's <laughs> taking a little bit of work. But uh, yes, they are very, very cool cars. Well, let's take another journey here. I'd love to look at some of the roads you travel down and crawl under the hood and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure you faced along the way. No doubt you've encountered these things, but the key is what do they teach us? So tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as your career and business expanded. 
Yeah, I'll point to something from my personal life, and I readily share this. Anybody who you know follows me on social media or anything has heard me talk about this. But my uh, my son Tanner, who actually turned eleven just three days ago. Oh, happy birthday, Tanner! Yeah, happy birthday, big guy. He was uh, diagnosed with autism just uh, before his birthday when he was two years old, mm. and um, it was something. He was our first child, and it was something that you know you especially early on in your career in your life and you're starting a family, you have a path that you picture you're, you're on, you know, and uh, I had the right job and I had, you know, married my high school sweetheart and we were having a baby and bought a house and everything was on a very leave it to beaver type trajectory. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a gut wrenching moment to know that your, you know, your plans have kind of taken a side impact. And uh, I am the first to admit, I, I struggled with it. It was a difficult time and, you know, probably one of the hardest things to go through. But as a result, I've learned so much. I regularly tell people that uh, he's taught me a lot more than I could ever teach mm. him. I've learned uh, levels of patience I didn't know existed. Yes. I learned to celebrate small victories, even the smallest of victories that might seem very you know, insignificant to others are big for us. And uh, he's still, you know, every day he's making incredible progress. He, uh, he doesn't have conversational speech just yet, but his, he's getting more and more vocabulary every single day. And uh, I, I looked to that moment where I thought, gosh, my whole world came crashing down around that and uh, and where I am at now. And I, I don't think I'd change it for the world. It has taught me so much about who I am and, and what uh, what kind of the human spirit and capability of somebody is if, they, if you're truly driven to uh, be better like he is. I can tell he tries so hard, even though he struggles with some things. Right. And uh Definitely paints a powerful picture for me every day. I get to picture that and go, you know what, nothing I do at work is so hard that I, uh, that I can't do it. You know, it certainly gives us a paradigm shift and certainly gives us a different perspective on life with what you just shared, a real personal side to your life, and I thank you for that. What comes to mind is a guest of mine, a friend of mine, awesome guy, Wayne Carini. He has a daughter that deals with challenges in a similar way, and he shared very much the same thing, and I've had several other guests with children with autism. My sister, she's an angel, she's been teaching children with autism for over 30 years, and she wow. says the same thing, that you... You have triumphs over very little moves, but they're very, very important because they're a step towards the next move, the next move to help children, adults, uh, anyone that is dealing with a challenge like that get to a point where they can be autonomous and, and communicate well. So, uh, again, a happy birthday to Tanner. Best wishes to Tanner on all of his awesome progress. A pat on the back, a big kudos to you and, of course, his mother and father who are a key player in his growth and expansion as he uh, as he gets a little bit older. So, awesome story. What a guy. Well, Dylan, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Now, it sounds like you've had a few because when I read your bio, you've got your hands in a lot of different things. And I think that's why you and I share the same barber because the many <laughs> hats that you and I have worn in our careers have rubbed off all the hair on our heads, I believe. <laughs> you look a lot better than I do, but I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments with us. There's been a number of them, you're right. And it's, um, it's always interesting, you know, one leads to the next. But one that kind of stands out for me is I started kind of putting what I call being the detailing truth teller for our industry and kind of pointing a spotlight on hard truths. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a call out, but maybe pointing out things that weren't exactly the most attractive way to do business and not necessarily individuals, but just uh, you alluded to it in the beginning, kind of the sociological and ethical challenges that, yeah. that 
facing. And so I started to write about those fairly early on in my career on forums. More recently, I've done it on Facebook. And oftentimes, if I let anybody read it before I put it out, I get the, gosh, I, I don't know if you should say that. You're going to maybe <laughs> insult people. Right. But the strange thing is, is the more truth I put out there, the more positive response I've seen in return, which tells me that maybe everybody does or the majority of people think these things, but maybe don't have the they don't have the platform or maybe the willingness to go forward and point it out. Made commentary on things just as simple as comments in YouTube videos and things. They called it the sniper culture of detailing and, you know, the people taking pot shots at the people that are influential in the industry. And the response to it was unbelievable. People are like, finally, somebody has said something. Mm, wow, yeah. Okay. So it's a big aha. And it taught me that everybody is looking for someone to point these things out. And they may not do it themselves, but when somebody does, they'll rally behind it and say, yes, this could be better or we shouldn't be doing this as, a, as an industry. So that's been my at least my most recent and uh, powerful aha for me. You know, I'm so happy to hear that because as most of my listeners know, I spent 20 plus years at Griot's Garage and helped build that business. I was the president of that business, helped develop the car care products. And as I was working in that arena trying to understand why certain car care products did what they did. And then you'd see these TV infomercials of things that, a scratch here, a scratch here, rub this magic juice on and the dent goes away. <laughs> and, and you just go, what? How can they get away with that? I mean, it's so fake. It's It can't be, yet they continue to do it. And so I, too, found the way that you combat that is through simple education and clear communication mm -hmm. for people. And it sounds like that's what you've been doing. Is that, that a fair assessment? Yeah, and, and not just in the technical aspect, but just in the business conduct and personal conduct uh, type areas. Yeah. I like to I like to kind of touch all bases. It's I like to build better detailers. Is like what I say at uh, many of the seminars we'll do with uh, our team here at Rupas. Is I want you to walk away technically better off than you were, understanding something or how to do something better, but also maybe walk away with a little nugget of how to conduct yourself, be a better human being, mm. not just a better detailer. Exactly. Well, I love this topic and I could probably talk about this all day, but can you give us one example, for instance, if you have a company with a lot of representatives, people talking to the public, talking to your consumers about what your product does, whether it's a liquid project or machine or direct drive orbital or a polishing orbital, a random orbital, what's a way that you could advise those out there then in any field could make sure that that message is the same message no matter who in the business is sending it out. Because again, social media opens a whole Pandora's box or can. If you have one employee that says something incorrect, wrong, derogatory, whatever that might be, what's a little bit of guidance that you might uh, inject here for those people that might be encountering something like that? It's a challenge. We face it. We at Rupus have quite the dynamic group of personalities. Some of the best known trainers and technicians in the business have come to work at Rupus. And um, so you have a lot of opinions and a lot of strong personalities. And I believe the best way to counteract that is to make sure that your internal communications are as frequent and as clear as possible. If everyone is communicating and clear on the same page on your internal stuff, uh, your external, your outward facing communications should mirror that. So if you, you know, and, and we're guilty of it, we get running so fast, sometimes things slip through the cracks and one guy doesn't know what the other guy was thinking and we haven't had a consensus vote on what the official company line is. But we do our best to have as many regular interfaces as we can. We're, you know, scattered all over the country and all over the world, frankly, regular calls, regular emails, just to make sure that everybody's opinion is being heard, every angle is being looked at, and then we form a kind of a group opinion, and that's what we try to go to the masses with. So I'd say strengthen up the internal so that your external looks uh, consistent. 
Indeed. Very well put. I, I had a saying I, I've used in several companies I've run, and that is clear communication is the reason for our success and a lack of it is why we fail. And Excellent. it's always the same thing. It's like, oh, I didn't know that. Why wouldn't you have known that? Well, I wasn't told or it you know, didn't get to me somehow. So yeah, communication, it is the key to almost everything. A great communication, of course. Now, mm-hmm. how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many of those. Is there one that stands out you could share? Oh, there's a number of them. I, I mean, I love any time that there's a, a lofty goal set and uh, and as a team, we accomplish it. And without getting bogged down in the numbers of specifically how much, um, recently we passed a major, major milestone in terms of uh, sales here at Rupus. And it was uh, something that we had discussed internally as our U.S. team of salespeople together the year prior. And we had a number in mind and and it seemed so out of reach. Even a few of our guys were a little... Uh, <laughs> hesitant to say that they think that we could do it. And uh, we absolutely crushed it. Not only did we crush it, we flew well past it. Wow. And it was not the contribution of any one individual, which is uh, what I usually love the most is when it's a the larger the group. And if you can accomplish that goal as a team with everyone contributing, that's something very, very special because it's not easy to do. The more people you add to the mix, typically the harder it is, uh, or there are those that are dragging their feet while some carry the load. But in this particular instance, this, this target number that we hit was something that uh, I can say was equally carried by everybody on the team. Everybody contributed as much as they possibly could. And, uh, and, and we definitely flew well past what our, what our goals were. Well, congratulations. And, you know, this is another topic I love because having been in business for so many years, how people do things. So is there one, I know there's not just one, but if you could pull back all the layers of reasons why you were successful in this instance, is there one thing you can point to that helped you all get there? Yeah, I would say that it, it goes back to the communication thing. We were we were sharing things internally. We were we and we still do, and we're actively communicating all the time about what's going on in our territories or what we can do or where we need help. And that's another key thing: is just being able to ask your your counterparts for help. Hey, I need this, or can you back me up here? Having that open line of communication, and because it is such a, a tight knit team we have here, there was never a point where anybody was lacking for a backup, or you know, if they needed somebody to help them or guide them a little bit. No, it wasn't just one. It was everybody wanted to jump in and help. And yeah. uh, I think building that strong communication network and, and being open and being able to call on your colleagues for that that help, it all contributes to the greater good. You hit the nail on the head again. Communication is that key because if you're all rowing in one direction, but one person is putting in the oar in the other direction or another or trying to do something sideways, whatever, just that one or misplaced in the water can uh, disrupt the entire boat so that everyone knows where to go. Key to communication. Great, great mm-hmm. answer. Let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time and talk about your first really special car. Is there a vehicle that you got that you said, man, I finally got this so cool? And maybe you could share a, a memory about that car, truck, or motorcycle, or bike, whatever it might be. Absolutely. My first car will always have a special place for for me, but it wasn't exactly the coolest car. It was a uh, 1987 Camaro. So my my first truly special car, actually, I uh, I bought a 2004 Silverado SS, mm-hmm. which uh, you know an LQ9 six liter. The wasn't the fastest truck in the world. You could still go buy a Ford Lightning, but it was big and it was. Uh, I had put so much into it. It was bright red, victory red, one of my all-time favorite uh, GM paint colors. I drove the wheels off it. I took it to car shows. I, it was my daily driver, and I pampered it. And it's really around that time is where I transferred from the uh, kind of the detailing service provider side to the vendor side when I went to work for Adams Polishes. And um, right up that I did, 
that featured that truck for uh, Street Trucks Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually the reason Adam and I reconnected and the reason uh, I started working there was that truck. So it really was even the springboard on top of just being something I was crazy passionate about. It was the springboard or at least the uh, the billboard that got my... Uh, Got the attention of Adam Patali, who had been a longtime friend, and we had lost contact, and we reconnected, and he offered me the position with uh, Adams, which marked my official transition over to um, supplier versus being a guy who just uh, detailed cars. Yeah, well, Adam Patali's been a guest here on Cars Yeah, so any of you listeners want to go back and learn about that company, you'll find him on the Cars Yeah website in the archives. So I've known him for a long, long time. Nice guy, great guy. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back? Is it that truck? That truck to a degree, but you know, one that's a little bit more fresh in the memory and the, the cut is still still deep and stings a little bit. I had always wanted a uh, 67 to 72 Chevy C10 pickup. That mm. was kind of my, my dream one. And I finally was able to just a few years ago, uh, probably about five years ago, I was able to find one that was mostly restored. And then I was able to finish it and uh, turn it into a driver. And it was, again, my, my affinity for GM colors, it was sunburst orange metallic off of a <laughs> 2012 C6 Corvette. But I, I I had fully customized it. It was on air ride and I absolutely loved it. It was just an absolute blast to drive factory AC cab and uh, one of the few 67s with a small window and took it to shows, had fun with it for a few years. But then uh, my wife and I decided we were going to build a new home and um, I had to finance part of that. And uh, a good way to do that was to sell off my my prized possession. And yep. I, I swear now I will either track it down and buy it back or I will uh, I will build another one of these days. <laughs> well, if you're the guy out there that has Dylan's sunburst truck, <laughs> give him a call. He's interested. Uh, you could have an easy buyer someday down the road when you're willing to let it go. But yeah, sounds like you're a truck guy for sure. So oh, yeah. well, don't feel bad. We've all let cars go that went on to better reasons in our life. And this guy, you're talking to today is one of those as well. So, uh, well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I know there's certain things as far as developing new products you can't talk about, Rupus, but I know you guys just moved into your first U.S. facility, wonderful new facility. I wish I could have been there for the grand opening. What has you excited and fired up about Rupees today? Well, that's definitely a big part of it. The new facility is just under 40,000 square feet and has a state-of-the-art training center and uh, manufacturing because we're currently building all of the uh, LHR 15 and 21 random orbital tools for the North American market here in the U.S. Okay, wait. I got to stop you for a second. This is important. You are manufacturing a machine here in the United States. Yep. Um, as of earlier in 2017, I believe the around March or so, we we moved principal manufacturing of four of our most popular tools um, into our temporary facility here, which actually happens to be the old Cyclo Toolmakers building. Mm-hmm. So all those tools, all four of those models, the uh, 15 and 21 millimeter orbitals are being manufactured here in the U.S. for the North American market. Obviously, wow. Italy still manufactures for the rest of the globe, but we're building them here. And uh, with the new facility, that means more room, which means we can start moving more manufacturing here, which uh, in turn means more jobs. It means more support, means better things um, for us here in the States and Canada and Mexico and everywhere around. So. Made in the USA. I, that is hot. That is, that's important. That's key. I mean, jobs, that's what it's all about. But that's awesome news. I didn't realize that. So very, very cool. Anything else you want to share about the company that has you excited moving into 2018 next year? You know, just the the general direction of the company. I mean, Rupus, you know, as I mentioned early on, it's 70 years old this year, um, founded in 1947, but it's only been in the U.S. for the past five to six. And uh, the amount of growth we have seen in that time is just 
mind blowing. I can remember when I saw their exhibit at SEMA six years ago, and it was a you know card table practically. Yep. Uh huh. And and here we are today. So really, there's no one thing I can point to. It's all going so incredibly positive, and we're growing so fast, and uh, doing really interesting and great things for the industry. And that's you know where my passion is. We're we're doing great things, and it's great for business, and we're selling more tools. But you know we're allowed to do the things that also elevate the industry, create better detailers, train people, uh, all things that I'm passionate about. Like I said, building better people. That's uh, really what gets my gears turning. So, Well, it's exciting for me too because uh, European country and I bought plenty of things in my, my past days from Italy. Great country, great people, enthusiastic, passionate people about what they do. But the fact that they've committed to the United States and they're bringing manufacturing here is a big, big deal in my mind and very, very important for this country as well. So wonderful partnership there with both countries, and uh, I'm so happy to hear that. Very, very cool. And I'll tell the listeners, too, one of the things I love about Rupees, the branding, because when I was standing in your booth, I mean, down to the shoes you guys were wearing, <laughs> the cool clothes, I felt like I was at an F1 team, and I've been to some F1 teams, F1 facilities over my many years. I felt like that's where I was standing, so whoever is behind all that, they are doing an awesome branding job, most definitely. Here's a very introspective question for you, Dylan. If Dylan was a car, or I might say a truck. I think you're a truck guy. Mm-hmm. What kind of vehicle would Dylan be and why? It's funny. I, I was going to say a truck um, and not <laughs> to say anything. I, I'll harken back to my C10. I have a special spot for old pickups because mm-hmm. old pickups, unlike uh, unlike cars, lived harder lives back then. You know, you didn't buy a luxury pickup back oh, in yeah. the you know, 60s and 70s. They were worked and they were pretty much left in the field to rot yep. if they survived at all. So I, I like to think that, you know, old pickups have a little bit more of a soul to them. There's a little bit more of a story with a pickup. It's seen some things and if it's still around, it survived some stuff. I've got my battle scars. I've got my uh, my ups and downs. So I, I, I think of myself as an old pickup. I don't know specifically what model, but something with a, a little bit of patina on it at this point. I like it. I kind of thought I'd hear an answer like that, but I think it works quite well. Well, Dylan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. 
Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Dylan, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy a car for what it is. Buy it for what it can be. Ah, I like that. Very nice. I think you're the first person out of 900 plus people who've said that. And I I like that. You personalize it a little bit. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years? Organization. To a fault, maybe sometimes. But being organized, documenting everything and keeping track of things. If you're organized, you can certainly drive a lot more successful things than if you're disorganized. Amen to that. Now, how about a resource? There are tons of awesome resources these days. Is there one that you think our listeners would enjoy? Uh, You know, I'm a social media junkie, so anything on YouTube and the internet, there's tons of learning opportunities. I will add also the line of caution. The internet is full of information, but very little knowledge. So you have to be (laughs) an objective viewer and and don't take everything hook, line, and sinker, but you can find some very valuable information, especially in the detailing community uh, online, whether it be learning from other detailers or from manufacturers. I think it's a a very powerful resource. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always say, though, vet your resource because just because somebody's doing it on YouTube doesn't mean they know what they're up to. So <laughs> exactly. That's for sure. But I've certainly learned a lot of things there, uh, working on my vehicles and on computers and programs and apps and all sorts of things. So wonderful resource. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Is that an offer officially or is it just? Well, it's, it's, it's tough for me to bring back the dead, but I'll do what I can. <laughs> Um, you know what? Actually, he's still alive. I would love to sit down and have a drink with uh, Jeremy Clarkson of Top Gear UK. I think the guy yeah. is – he reviews cars the way I think I would review cars, which is I'd, I'd probably focus on things that weren't important to most people and mm-hmm. then grunt a lot, yell, and drive things too fast. So I, I find him hilarious. I find his uh, perspective on cars interesting. So I'd love to have a drink with him. That would be interesting. I'd love to get him on this show. He's a very hard guy to get to, but I'm working on it. One of these days, I'll, <laughs> I'll get him on the show, and then I'll let him know that Dylan would love to have a drink with him. So uh, if he could meet you at a pub somewhere, maybe you could buy him a beer. But you're the second person in a couple weeks who've mentioned him, and it's the first time his name has come up when all the interviews I've done, which I'm kind of surprised. He's definitely an interesting guy and, of course, was a writer journalist before he became famous on television. So very knowledgeable guy. And whether you like him or not, or his personality, I think it would be very interesting to sit down and enjoy an afternoon with that guy for sure. How about a book? Is there a book that you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite books of all times, and it's not necessarily car related, but a lot of it can be relatable, is called Sneaker Wars. Um, and it's written by Barbara Smith. And it's actually the story of the Dassler brothers in Germany, the uh, brothers who founded Puma and Adidas Shoes. Uh, respectively, and split. They each owned one brand, and uh, it essentially is a commentary on the history of endorsements and marketing because they invented it. Uh, nobody had thought to pay professional athletes to wear shoes before they did. And uh, it's just if you're into marketing or kind of how people perceive brands uh, or branding at all, it's an absolutely fascinating read, kind of tied up in a historical story as well. So, Well, that's interesting. Nobody's mentioned that book before, and I've got to get my hands on that. I think that would be cool. And of course, we all know the company that took that to a stratospheric level, Nike. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's their whole deal. Put it on athletes. And as you watch football games, sporting events, that little Nike swoosh 
is everywhere. It's just mm-hmm. everywhere. So I'm going to get my hands on that and read that book. Very cool. I didn't realize Adida and Puma were once related through brothers either, which kind of explains why in my high school days back in the 70s, I loved Adida and then Puma came around and nobody had ever heard of it before. And that's why I started wearing them because I thought nobody will know what these are. And there was one shop in San Diego that sold them. And I kept that secret as long as I could. My friend Mike and I were the only kids wearing Pumas. Where did you get those? What are those things? So interesting. Uh, very cool. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find all these great resources Dylan has been so kind to share on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Dylan Von Kleist. His name will pop right up. He's the only Von Kleist who's been here on Cars yeah, so <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> he'll be easy to find. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. The fun part here, Dylan, is if I'm not already having a great time talking with you. But this question can be a bit of a doozy for some folks. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today. doesn't matter what it is, what it costs, but you got to keep it. can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. A little tricks off the table. I want you to enjoy this thing and go out and have a good time. No garage queens here at Cars Yeah. So, Dylan, what's it going to be? Uh, you know, I'm going to switch it up, and it's not a truck this time. Oh. I actually love to have a 599 GTO Ferrari. My first, the first car I ever detailed on camera for an instructional video was a 599 GTB, and I fell in love with the shape of it. I just loved the way that car looked. A few years later, a client got his hands on a 599 GTO, and I went for a spin in it, and I don't think I have ever been more... I giggled like a little girl, I think, the entire ride. It just it just accelerated and turned like nothing I've ever been in. And I've been in a number of Ferraris, but the 599 GTO, was, uh, it's otherworldly in terms of its performance and then the the, ecstet- the aesthetics of it. I just, I'm not a Ferrari guy, but that's the one for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very interesting. So I think those had like 610, 12 horsepower, something like that. Yeah, just a, you know, a little putt around town kind of yeah. commuter car, right? Something to go get groceries in. <laughs> Or go pick up a bottle of wax somewhere. Uh, but yeah, what I loved about those cars when they came out is they kind of brought back, in my mind, the days of the Daytona. Uh, the front engine, big horsepower up front, the way the car is designed and looks, a touring car, if you will, versus a very wild looking like a LaFerrari or some of the other cars they've had. Definitely a fun, fun car. What color would you like that uh, 599 to be? Is there any other color than red when it comes to Ferraris? Well, there are, but it's hard to beat. Russell Red, yeah, we we can do that for you. No problem at all. So um, now I'm going to I'm gonna pick it up here in the Northwest and drive it over there to Colorado. I hope you're okay with that before I pick deliver it to Pick up Jeremy Clarkson on your way and oh, uh, okay. have a drink together, okay? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine driving with him for two days. That would be interesting. It'd be kind of fun, too, but I think it'd be a bit of an adventure. The cart might not be in very good condition if I let him drive it, though. <laughs> so I'll take good care of that car for you. Well, Dylan, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me. And I want to thank you for being a listener to here on Cars. Yeah, I mean, it just means the world to me. I sit here and do this every day. And sometimes you say, is anybody out there? Is anybody out there? I mean, I know there are. I've got thousands of listeners in 82 countries, but it's so fun to meet people who've been listening. Could you offer us one little parting piece of guidance or wisdom before you rip off into the sunset in that 599 GTO? Yeah, I, I like to always tell people that you need to be creating something, whether it's inspiration in other people, if you're creating a product, if you're creating stirring passion in someone, or motivating other people to do better, you need to be creating something. Add something into this world. Don't just take. Uh, it's great to learn. It's great to absorb from others. Uh, I've you know I've listened, like I said, to a number of your podcasts, and I've taken little pieces from all those. 
Awesome. Glad I can finally create something back, and uh, hopefully uh, I, I'm paying it forward, and somebody will hear this and and uh, want to be a guest on uh, your podcast as well, and and do something for somebody else. Well, that's what we're all about here, at Cars. Yeah, my mantra: inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And Dylan, today you have been most definitely an inspiring automotive enthusiast. So thank you for carrying it forward, as you so eloquently put. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Rupes here in the United States and abroad? Well, we're just about to take the wraps off of the official Rupes USA website. So that will be rupesusa.com. And that should be uh, live probably shortly after this uh, podcast goes up. And uh, obviously, globally, they can find us at rupesrupes.com. And then I'm extremely active on uh, Facebook and Instagram and uh, with a name like mine, there's not going to be another one. So you'll find <laughs> Dylan Von Kleist on uh, Facebook or Instagram pretty easily. Definitely Dylan is one of a kind. And I'll make sure, listeners, you can find all these great links on the Cars yeah website on Dylan's show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Dylan Von Kleist, and you will find that. I can't wait to see your guys' new website. I've been checking it every week. Oh, is it up yet? Is it up yet? So by the time the show airs, we'll be really close. Check out this brand, check out this product, check out this company. I think you're going to find it very, very fun and a way that you can take care of your vehicles very easily. And with all the knowledge you guys toss out there uh, without being concerned about safety as well or harming your surface of your car. Dylan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Out listeners. Until you and I get to talk again, I will see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!